Hey, this is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream, Refuge Recovery, and Dharma Punks. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I hope you're enjoying the Dharma. Together, may we create a positive change on this planet. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes. May our paths cross soon. Welcome. How many people at Against the Stream for the first time tonight? New folks, welcome, welcome. Welcome to anybody tuning in first time online. Um, trying to be in the habit of having you uh, reflect and, and connect. Uh, part of the core mission, my kind of core mission of Against the Stream and teaching and is um, helping people connect with other people that meditate and uh, develop community, what in Buddhism we call Sangha. And uh, it's one of the core tenets of practicing Buddhism is associating with other people and connecting and developing friendships with people who share your aspirations, share your intent, your values and your practices. And uh, unfortunately in this world, it can be a bit challenging to find quality uh, connections, friendships, people who are interested in wisdom, awakening, not just interested in the material world, but interested in a spiritual practice. Um, I just got back. I'm going to talk about this tonight, but I'm going to give it to you as an opener. Um, I just got back from a punk rock music festival for the last four days and um, the bands that I've been listening to for the last 40 years the old guys and uh, as well as that I've been listening to a lot of doing this course for Against the Stream from uh, one of my teachers sort of my teacher's teacher lineage um, Ajahn Sumedho, and he just speaks so much about the suffering of believing that we are our personalities and the identification with self as our, uh, it's called personality view. It's like kind of one of the core self-centerednesses and identification and clinging to I am like this, to I am, my personality view. So I'm, re- I'm going to reflect on that and talk about that a bit tonight. Um, but I want to ask you as we start, before we meditate and stuff, um, what do you think about yourself? <laughs> <laughs> what, is your, what is your view of who you are, like when you sort of like, I am, uh, I'm like this, or I'm like that, or I'm, and part of it is reflecting on, like, think back of how you thought about yourself when you were a kid. Thought like, I'm, you know, when you think about like, oh, when I was a kid, I thought I was like this, or my personality, uh, got you know developed the conditions of my 
childhood, of my environment, of developed into this personality that was introverted, extroverted, uh, funny, uh, uh, sarcastic, um, irreverent, or what, you know, what was, what was your, and so can, you get a sense, can you get a sense of like, what were you like as a kid, your personality as, as a kid, as an adolescent, as a teenager? And uh, has it changed? And part of the question is like, do personalities actually change? Um, so I'm gonna reflect on that tonight. Um, maybe it'll be easier if I give you this Buddhist context. The Buddha says that each one of us has a, um, a core, a primary uh, personality tendency that falls in uh, one of the categories of the causes of suffering. <laughs> um, the three causes of suffering for us human beings are greed, which is craving and clinging and attachment, hatred, which is uh, being easily annoyed and aversive and uh, angry, uh, and delusion, which is being uh, the way that the delusive, deluded personality shows up is being maybe spaced out, maybe being, uh, you know, somebody would call you an airhead if, if you've been kind of called a space cadet or an airhead or you're not, you know, uh, maybe you have a delusional kind of not, not fully uh, here. <laughs> <laughs> off sort of in a fantasy land or one of the ways to diagnose if you, many of you have heard this have been practicing buddhism for a full long time you know oh i according to this system am like this this is what my personality is like i'm a greed type or i'm a, a hatred or aversion type or i'm a deluded personality tendency that's you already know that about yourself some of you don't the way to self-diagnose is um, to think about uh, when you enter a new space, you enter a new room, like when you, if you're here for the first time or uh, maybe even on Zoom, I don't know if this works on Zoom, but like just seeing uh, me and the couple of pieces of art behind me and the little bit, like what you can see of the room on Zoom, uh, a little bit of the Balinesian daybed throne I'm on, um, that one of the ways we can diagnose is our personality will kind of run the show when you walk into a room and uh, greed types will first see in that space, in the material space, what you like. There'll be this sort of, uh, your eyes will go to like, oh, I like the art or I like the carpets or I like the Polynesian daybed or whatever it is. Um, and then maybe you will later, if you're a great type, maybe you'll be like, and like they should really build some fucking shelves over there. <laughs> and those, you know, blankets need to be folded and 
those plants are spindly or whatever. Like you might also have some judgments, but first you'll see like what you like. And then also you might have some, I want that. <laughs> I like it. I like that sort of greed, that desire that like, I want, I like it. I want it. I'm going to remodel my house. I'm going to get a Polynesian day bed. I'm, you know, going to steal the, those fucking paintings when Noah's not looking. I want it. Um, greed type. The aversive type first walks into the room and has a tendency, a personality trait tendency to see what you don't like first. These carpets need to be shampooed. Uh, the art is a little crooked. That one over there is a little crooked. Um, fold the fucking blankets. Uh, seeing something uh, first, having this sort of aversive, you know, this, these people who are, who are all these human beings in my space. These chairs are not six feet apart. This is irresponsible. Um, so, so, some, some sort of aversive reaction. And then you, you know, if, if that's you, you kind of characterize as a pessimist, characterize as a, uh, a negative person, you know, like you have this tendency of pointing out what's wrong, what's not right. But then also, of course, you might come around to being like, oh, I do kind of like the art or I kind of like the some of the other things. So it's not all negative, but it's just what's your first thought? What's your tendency, your first uh, reaction in, in a new space? The diluted type is harder to talk about. And so maybe um, if you didn't notice the art or the bed, um, day bed or the folded blankets or the, and you sort of are too like in yourself to even have that sort of craving or aversion because you're just kind of like, uh, what the fuck is going on here? And I was thinking about something else the whole time. Then maybe diluted, maybe that kind of spaced out uh, diluted type. Too busy thinking about ourselves to worry about what's going on out there. <laughs> I don't care about this room. I'm obsessed with me. Diluted. Um, do you get a sense? Do you, can you diagnose yourself with that simple reflection? And can you see how in your life you usually walk into situations with a um, kind of, what can I get out of this situation? Oh, I, what, what do I want here? Do you like to shop? <laughs> and is you know like maybe shopping is an interesting reflection uh, do you when you shop whether you like it or whether you sometimes have to go shopping is it a sort of like oh this is cool there's all this stuff I get to get something that I want or is it like oh god all of this is crap can't find anything what's wrong with stores these days um I have a harder time talking about the diluted type. They're not, they're not as easy to, to pin down. Now, how many of you have already said, I'm all three, don't categorize me. I hate and, and you know, greed equally, right? 
Maybe deluded. Maybe you're deluded. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you're the delusional types. Or maybe the greed type personality is like, no, no, I want to be all of them. I, I don't want to just be one, like more. I want, to, I want to be aversive. I want to be deluded. I want to be greedy. I want all of the labels. The aversive types are like, don't fucking label me, man. How dare you? I hate this. <laughs> Tell me what I'm like. Bullshit. The deluded people are still thinking about something else. <laughs> I go. <laughs> You can ask a question if you want to. Go ahead. Um, should we no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it, when it comes to personalities, it's so much bigger that we're, you know, we're so much more than these three little categories. But from this Buddhist teaching perspective, one of the Buddha's teachings was that all of us if you're quite mindful and if you investigate and really watch how your mind works in a very, it's all, it's, none of it's, we call it personality. And this is what I'm going to talk about tonight. It's actually not personal at all. It's not who you are at all. But if you become more and more aware uh, from the Buddha's perspective, you will identify, oh, my mind has a tendency to respond more on this level than on this level. I have a personality tendency more towards being deluded than to being greedy or, or desire isn't, isn't the leading uh, energy in my life. Uh, or you'll see, oh yeah, I can totally identify. My mind uh, is aversive. Mostly like when I walk into situations, my mind is looking for danger. My mind is looking for what's wrong with this situation, not what's right about it. Right. And so all of our minds do all three of these things all of the time. So it's a bit hard to identify. So um, this is a, for your own investigation and, you know, you can maybe you have a sense tonight, but maybe also like, look at, look at your tendencies as you walk through the world in relationships, you'll see this, how you relate to people in, in friendships and in intimate relationships, how you relate to material things, to work, to a new environments. Okay, so um, now I'd like to invite you to uh, online. I'm going to put you guys in breakout rooms if I can do this. And in the room, if you would turn towards, you know, a couple people, two or three people that you don't know very well yet, introduce yourselves and talk about your personality type. <laughs> Go for it. Yes. <laughs> 
so much of what uh, we're trying to do is to increase our uh, awareness through mindfulness. We practice mindfulness to see clearly, see clearly the nature of our minds, of our uh, personalities. And uh, the more we investigate, we break our um, uh, entanglement. Our, our awareness is, is naturally entangled with, with, our, um, with our personality. We all think, I am like this. Um, or like, you know, uh, without much investigation, there's an entanglement with our thoughts, with our emotions, with our memories. We are naturally identified with what we've experienced in the past and still, you know, even this personality stuff, you know, like you have to consult your memory to even answer the question, who am I? Oh, I'm like this because I used to be like this in the past. When I walked in here 10 minutes ago, my mind reacted like this. That was 10 minutes ago, but I'm identified with what my mind did 10 minutes ago or 15 or 20 or whatever. Um, so, so much of what we're trying to do is wake up to um, the mind's tendencies and you start to see three things in, in meditation, three liberating uh, insights that happen through mindfulness. And one is that uh, none of it's very personal, your, even your personality. It's not, it's not your fault. It's not who you are. It's not. Uh, it's, it's not who we are. It's just our mind's tendencies. And that's um, really fucking good news if you can really get it, right? Like if, if mindfulness, if you actually practice deeply enough to see through that uh, entanglement with our views and our opinions and our past and come to the place of like, none of that shit is who I really am you know, not worth being identified worth, not worth clinging to, not worth uh, suffering about, but worth bringing into full awareness, not denying, not minimalizing, not, um, you know, uh, this whole thing around, uh, you know, there's some truth to those, the, the way our minds work, these personality types or astrology, maybe some of you are into astrology and there's, you know, probably some truth to like, well, I'm a, I'm an Aquarius man. That's who I am. That's how, how my shit works. Super arrogant because I'm an a fucking Aquarius, not my fault. <laughs> there's some, you know, and there's a little bit of truth to that, but then there's also this like, it's not actually who we are. It is how our minds work. But we start to wake up to this human uh, condition that we're all sharing. And it's one of the reasons why we get together and we talk about it and we discuss what it's like to see clearly rather than be so uh, entangled in it. We uh, start to get some space and be like, wow, my mind is a trip. This human condition left uninvestigated causes all of this unnecessary suffering. And so the Buddha's whole uh, is like, hey, how can we live in this mind and this body and this 
experience in this world without suffering about it so much. So we start to see it's not, not so personal after all, even our personality, which sounds really fucking personal. <laughs> Your personality, my personality is like this. My personality is impersonal, <laughs> is not self. It's not my fault. It's not who I actually am, but it is how I see the world and how I behave in the world. So it's really important to uh, understand it. And also, of course, uh, the, the other two insights is uh, we see the impermanent nature of all things, including those views and opinions and personality tendencies, mind tendencies that, you know, they just arise and they pass. They arise and they pass. Like the greed type isn't greedy all of the time. Just like comes, you know, regularly, <laughs> you know. The aversive type isn't aversive all of the time. Sometimes they're super greedy and super, you know, uh, the deluded type isn't always spaced out. Sometimes they're very, very present and connected and engaged. And uh, it's all impermanent. And we're just watching the impermanent uh, tendencies of, of our minds. And um, the third insight is that it's all... Uh, unreliable or uh, unsatisfactory. Um, that there's, you, you know, you can't even, you know, clinging to your astrological sign or your Buddhist personality or your fashion or your, you know, music or, you know, like I was just hanging out with 2,000, I don't know how many, thousands of punk rockers and that's our identity we're punkers and you know like not worth clinging to everybody you know wearing the uniform i got my black shirt i got my band shirt on and i got my punk vest and um got my dirty converse i'm that's who i am i'm a uh, it's just an unreliable <laughs> refuge to be like, that's who I am. Um, and we could go further into even uh, this bigger, and maybe this is controversial, um, but of course it is the Buddhist teaching, even being identified uh, ultimately when we're talking about this bigger wisdom, even being identified with our gender of like, well, I'm a male or a female or transgendered or um, non-binary and any, any of that, like on the relative level, Absolutely. But on the ultimate level, when we're talking about awareness, awareness has no gender. But in the world, on the relative level, of course, there's gender, there's sexual orientation, there's age, all of that stuff on the relative level. But awareness has no age, has no or sexual orientation, has no fashion has no uh has no personality awareness has no uh i am awareness just knows what the mind is identifying with as our personality as our fashion as our music taste as our uh orientation gender political views opinions Awareness doesn't have 
political views. Awareness is aware of your conditioned political views. And so in Buddhism, we're just so much trying to go to that ultimate, you know, like as, as against the stream, um, I certainly land in, uh, try to land in the place of both and, like, yes, we're going for the ultimate awareness of reality, which is so much bigger than the relative uh, social, political, uh, real issues of our social, political identities and race and uh, socioeconomic and all of that very important relative reality that we live in, in our bodies and how we're treated like our bodies or our orientation or our um, age, all of those things, uh, trying to land in like, yes, that's true on the relative level of our reality in this world, but awakening, awareness is transcends it, is, is so much bigger than social, political, identity. Uh, does that make sense? hope it does, because I, I also, Buddhism can be guilty, or some Buddhists can be guilty, of using the ultimate to bypass or dismiss the, re, uh, the relative truth of gender, of race, of personality, of, so I don't want to go there. I don't want to say like, well, that's not important because that's not who we really are. It is fucking important. And it's not who we really are. <laughs> and it's very important because it's how we treat each other on this, in this world. So let's meditate and then I'll um, share some reflections from my, my personality. Find a way to sit that's upright, relaxed. Relaxing any unnecessary tension in the face, shoulders, neck. Breathing in, feel the sensations the breath creates at the nostrils. Bring awareness, this part of you that knows what's happening right now. So the sensations of the breath, and as we exhale, softening the belly, releasing any resistance, armoring over the heart. Relax your mind. You don't have to try hard to be aware. You don't have to try to stop your thoughts. They're just part of the awareness. 
You don't have to try to stop the sounds. Just letting them pass through. The mindfulness, the consciousness, the awareness that's present. Here we are sharing this experience of incarnation, of being a person. With a body. And the body experiences all of these things that we call sensation, bringing your curiosity, your awareness to sensation in your body. What's it feel like? Having this body that receives information from the ears that we call hearing, from the eyes that we call seeing, nose that we call smelling, mouth, tongue that we call tasting. All of this stimuli, phenomena, that is met by awareness and perceived as sound and smell and taste, sensation. We have this human brain that thinks, plans and remembers, Judges and fears. This mind that's bigger than just the brain, mind awareness that is in the body, in the heart, as well as the mind. And part of what we're doing in mindfulness is seeing that we can choose where we place our attention. That although we can be aware of all of these different sense doors, emotions and thoughts, as well as sensations, we can also choose to place our attention. We can move it around. Where do you focus your attention? So the Buddha's encouragement was in the beginning of meditation to choose to place your awareness on the sensations the breath creates, allowing the sounds and thoughts 
to still be here, to be present. You're not stopping the mind. Or you're giving your attention to the sensations of the breath, letting the thoughts and sounds be in the background. Where does your attention go? It's always here. There is no real wandering. We talk about returning to the breath, but the breath is always here. But awareness can get quite involved in the thoughts, the fantasies about the future. You get quite identified with memories. Entangled, so entangled our awareness with the thoughts that we don't even know we're here anymore sometimes, no longer present. 
So we use the breath as an anchor. But you can also use sound or other sensation in the body to remember that you're here and that awareness is receiving memories and plans, sensations and emotions.
what part of you is being mindful right now? Where is the mindfulness? How, how much does it feel like it's your brain watching the breath? Consciousness up in the watchtower, observing the thoughts. What happens if you bring the awareness down out of your head, down into the trunk of the body, feeling the breath with the belly, with the arms and legs?
seeing how we can direct our awareness. We can participate with the experiences that the body is feeling, the sounds, the sensations, the quality of investigation, of interest, not just a detached observation, but a unentangled participation. And just the ability to disengage from what the mind is urging you to think about. Let those thoughts float off as you return to hearing or sensation of breathing. Breaking our addiction to the mind, to thinking. Seeing that we can choose to redirect our attention back to the body.
part of us that is aware, that is the knowing, that is conscious of what's happening, is the part of us that will come to understand that nothing has to change. Nothing has to change for us to be at ease. We don't need to get rid of our emotions or our memories. Everything has its place. That there's room for it all. I feel like it's so, um, one of the things I love about mindfulness and about this whole process is that it just makes uh, makes it all so interesting. I used to be quite easily bored. Um, but the more I've practiced mindfulness, the I'm almost never bored anymore because whatever's happening, it's kind of interesting. Just the way that the mind works and... Uh, And I experience that a lot. I just have a lot of reflections uh, kind of on the, uh, the personality and the, um, the way that I uh, think about myself and my mind thinks, <laughs> thinks about me, um, you know, coming back from a few days of, uh, you know, being sort of immersed and, um, you know, not only immersed in this big, punk rock festival scene but we're in las vegas right which is its own mind fuck of just like that city of uh you know and everybody has our own kind of 
ways, you know, uh, feelings, you know, whatever your perception relationship to uh, a place like Las Vegas or being in a casino or all of those things. Um, but for me, it sort of makes me reflective and make me want to uh, more mindful of my personality of, uh, you know, craving and aversion and judgment and, uh, and just kind of watching my mind as I walk through the casino or as I walk through the crowd and the punk rock scene and all of that kind of like um, self, this sort of creation of self and seeing how um, I went to a whole bunch of, saw a bunch of bands, but I also uh, played a bunch of poker and seeing how like my self, my self at the poker table is a little bit different than myself walking through the um, punk show. I sort of get a little more puffed up at the punk show, a little bit more danger here at the poker table. I'm sort of relaxed and joking with people and, and just watching the, uh, you know, different ways that my personality shows up in the, um, in the different uh, realms. And then um, it was so striking to me where, you know, these bands that I've been listening to, you know, for 40 years or 30 years or um, yeah, it's kind of like either for 40 years or 30 years somewhere in there. Um, and how like the bands that I first heard, and there's this sort of identification with um, like the Circle Jerks played, and they're one of the early bands that I heard. And they were like, really, um, that was like my drugs and drinking and violence and, um, you know, skateboarding and, you know, surfing like I, I heard the um i had this memory of you know like the circle jerks are playing and of like all of this sort of like violence on the beach and skateboarding and stuff because that, that was like the soundtrack of my teenage addiction and violence and rebellion and um and uh you, you know that that sort of very I, so interesting how you can hear something and it brings, it elicits those emotions and brings those, sets the, the mind uh, on what the Buddha calls papancha, the proliferation of thought. There's some stimulus that happens and it's like you can see something or you can smell something or you can hear something or, and then all of a sudden the mind associates and does this whole proliferation of thoughts and I'm 13 breaking my skateboard over someone's head, you know? And it's just like, whoa, like, where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> you know? Just, you know, the, oh, there was that song reminded me of that experience. And now I have those feelings. And then the kind of like, oh, I feel guilty about that. Or, you know, uh, regret having uh, been so uh, unskillful and, um, confused the soundtrack of the, the confused youth that but that became uh so much of my identity it's who i it's who i am um and then um youth of today played a couple of shows and they're the um 
straight edge band that when I got sober in 1988 and was a 17-year-old punk rock kid, I had this, uh, you know, scene and this band and this movement to identify with of these punk rock kids that were drug-free, that were sober. And those same guys that then they started getting into spiritual practice. As I was getting into Buddhism, they were getting into Hinduism and um, they became Hare Krishnas and uh, yogis and Vaishnavas. And they got very much into the kind of Indian spirituality. Um, and so like I saw those guys and then all of that kind of uh, young adult identity of like, I'm the vegan straight edge uh you know meditation punk rocker and then all of that self came back and the arrogance of my 20s of the kind of uh that shift from like self-destructive nihilistic addiction uh and just like that's who i am to like oh no i'm spiritual and i'm going to be way more spiritual than anybody else <laughs> and this sort of like <clears throat> the ego self getting a, a hold of spirituality the kind of spiritual materialism of uh, um, i'm going to one-up you by being celibate and uh, giving up caffeine and nicotine and uh, dining on the flesh of the rotting dead animals i'm giving all that shit up uh, and that's who i am i'm a vegan and that's my identity and if you're not you're lesser than. And just watching my mind and that music being like, oh yeah, remember that? Remember the suffering of that personality <laughs> phase? Remember the suffering of that, you know, personality phase? And then, um, and this, I'm still kind of unpacking it, but like the, that question that I started with of like, how do you think about yourself? Like who, who am I now as a 50 year old punk rocker, Buddhist? Uh, and how much am I identified with that as, as who I am? And watching kind of in the different spaces where uh, the self wants to, uh, you know, puff up, I'm this, or it wants to shrink, or it wants to hide, or. Um, Uh, we started with uh, the Buddhist personality types. I'm very much a greed type. There's something about my mind, uh, whatever it was, my conditioning in early childhood or environment that I was in, uh, even though I um, can be pretty aversive and negative and judgmental and arrogant and all of that stuff, part of my personality, but the core kind of through line is I want stuff. This sort of uh, craving is way stronger than aversion, although I can be very aversive. And you know this, right? That um, craving and aversion are actually the same thing. In Buddhism, they're, they're both the second noble truth. They're both tanha. They're both... Uh, we call craving sort of that strong desire of I want something, but aversion is the same strong desire of not wanting something. 
<laughs> they're both this sort of drivenness towards, I want it to be different than it is. Whether it's craving for pleasure or it's aversion to something unpleasant, it's both tanha, craving. Um, so, you know, watching my mind, uh, and like, I don't know how much judgment you have about gambling and playing. I'm not so interested in gam uh, the other gambling, but I love poker. I'm not so interested in the slot machines or the, uh, you know, blackjack or any of that stuff doesn't interest me very much, but, um, poker, I really like poker. And I was talking to, um, some friends, some old, old friends. And one of them was like, I just can't play because it's just too painful to lose. I can't like, he's like, I just, I, I lose five bucks. It's just hurts too much. So I can't do it. And then, you know, him seeing in his personality, like, no, the attachment, the kind of like, um, and then uh, of knowing like that, like, if you uh, do, do you gamble? Um, we all gamble on one level or another, I had some Buddhist teachers saying, you know, you shouldn't gamble as a Buddhist teacher. I was like, you invest in the stock market, right? Talk about fucking gambling. Uh, you invest, right? You, you, you have some, some business, you, you know, want to start a business? You're fucking gambling. <laughs> You're putting your money into something that you hope is going to make you money. Um, and that, uh, the, with the greed personality type, for myself, I, I feel um, I don't have a lot of attachment to material stuff. I have a lot of desire for material stuff. I like to get stuff, but I don't need to keep it. It's sort of transient. Um, practicing non-attachment, you know, and, and uh, for the last 30 something years, um, my relationship to stuff isn't, isn't very uh, clingy, but I still, there's still that repetitive, like, uh, and so like for, for me playing poker as, uh, and I was doing this a lot this weekend, where it's like this mindfulness practice of, I want to win, but when I lose, it's a sort of non-attachment and also an opportunity for um, some compassion if it hurts of kind of tending to like, oof, that hurt, got a bad beat, that was unpleasant. And then being mindful and kind of uh, with that. And when someone else wins, actually having um, some appreciative joy for them rather than like, fuck that guy, you know, it just be like, oh, well, good for you, like great hand, like that was, and being able to celebrate it and, and uh, uh, you know, be friendly in the interaction of uh, exchange <laughs> of energy. Um, during, while I was playing cards, uh, I was also, the football games were on, I guess that was yesterday. I'm not a football fan, but one of my best friends growing up, uh, you know, in Santa Cruz that was like with me through all of this. Um, and as punk rockers, like most, Mostly sports were not uh, kind of, it, it was like the punks against the jocks. So like there wasn't much like sports, but for some reason later, like a lot of punk rockers are super into sports as, as we got older. I think that's like 
you get older, you get bored, you start watching sports. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But some people like it's all the way through. Anyways, one of my friends got really obsessed with sports, with football. And he's a 49ers fan. And I was sitting there. I never watch it, but it was on the TV there. And, I, and it was so tense at the end of this 49ers game. And I knew he was suffering because it was like, you know, it was tied up and then they were ahead and then they lost at the last second. And I was texting him. And because he practices Buddhism, he just said mudita for the other team, right? Rather than suffering, mudita is the term of generating the feeling of appreciation for someone else's happiness, someone else's success. Rather than being so identified with me and my team or my winning or my getting what I want, also having enough awareness that like, well, good for you. Like, you know, like it's your turn to win. It's your, you know, happy for you rather than suffering about it, which is totally counter to our instincts, right? Which is I, me, mine, my personality, my team, my whatever it is. So I was watching my um, kind of like at the shows of like, and you know, I couldn't help like wander to the merch booths every time. Like, is there any hair thing or hair I want? There might, yeah. <laughs> Do I need another black t-shirt? <laughs> to add, I, I recently moved in with my lady and my partner. And um, for the last few years, I've had uh, two homes where um, I was doing a thing called nesting with my ex-wife and where we had, you know, one place where we stayed and then another place where we stayed with the kids. So I kind of had two wardrobes and I had done like all of this shopping for this house, you know, I had all of this. And when I say shopping, like t-shirts and Levi's, but uh, as I consolidated and moved all of them into one closet, I was like, wow, I have hundreds of t-shirts and I wear seven of them regularly <laughs> but the mind still wants to like but I you know probably need that new t-shirt here's what I want to um you know my reflections and what I want to encourage and where I believe that the Dharma leads us, uh, where we started the conversation is bringing more and more awareness to our personality tendencies of seeing what we identify with and um, and even you know, like how much do you, are you becoming identified with being a Buddhist? And a lot of people really take that on and are like, that's, I used to be a punk rocker, but now I'm a Buddhist. It's who I am. Um, the mind does that all by itself, you know, kind of identifies with something. I'm a, uh, or a lot of our, myself and a lot of our community uh, identified with being an addict, a recovering Right? I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic. That's who I am. 
how many of you, when you asked yourself, who are you, your mind was like, well, I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic. That's who I am. I'm an addict. That's who I am. I used to smoke crack. I'm an addict. Um, and again, we have to do this relative ultimate. There's kind of on the relative level, as I said before, uh, or um, like you could ask yourself over and over, or sometimes I'll, I'll break people off into dyads and workshops or, and ask a repeating question, who are you? And after, you know, seven or 10 answers, because you say, well, I'm a, I'm an addict, I'm a punker, I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm a um, skater, I'm a surfer, I'm a, a DJ, <laughs> I'm an artist, you know, like after a few answers, then what? You know, when you start stripping away those relative levels of gender, of uh, uh, social status, of subculture identification, of uh, being an, an addict uh, in the past, having a tendency towards addiction, a personality that is compulsive, that is obsessive, that is, uh, or how um, identified with your wounds, right? Kind of being identified as an addict is kind of taking on the like, that's who I am. I'm my wounded, you know, I'm that five-year-old that's wounded or I'm, um, The Buddha's teaching and, and what will happen as you become more and more aware, more and more awake, uh, is that you'll see that uh, none of those things are who we truly are. On the relative level, of course, that's how we walk through the world. Um, but ultimately, you start to wake up to seeing that there's just consciousness of memories whether there are traumatic memories or pleasant memories, it's still just awareness knowing these thought formations which elicit emotions and sensations. And this is where mindfulness is such a fucking game changer. Um, it might not change your uniform at all as it hasn't for me. <laughs> 30 years in, it hasn't changed my fashion. <laughs> Um, but it has changed my perception. And it was so uh, interesting to be, you know, to have this experience of, you know, it's the same people, it's the same music, it's the same scene, but my perception of myself and of the, uh, has just shifted so much, um, you know, just, um, I know that my true identity isn't that I'm an addict, although I'm on the relative level, very much identified with being a person in recovery that's, uh, but I know that that's not who I am. Um, I know that uh, punk rock is not who I am, although I would say that it saved my life in a lot of ways, but that's just part of the memory, just part of the story, part of the, um, uh, I also, a Buddhism, Buddhist, I'm not that identified with being a Buddhist, which is strange since it's actually what I do most of all. <laughs> um, I love Buddhism so much, but I've never really taken on like, that's who I, 
maybe I did. I bet there was phases where I took it on pretty, you know, put on that, that jacket. I'm the, I'm the Buddhist. I'm the Buddhist Dharma punk. That's who I am. Um, but I've always been way more internally identified with like, I'm a punk rock drug addict <laughs> seeking salvation, refuge in Buddhism. So my identity internally has always been way more on the kind of historical and that Buddhism is what I'm trying to save my life with and get some freedom with. Not, I never, and I know a lot of people who, you know, become, take on the spirituality as their identity and sort of try to dismiss the, the historical identi identifications. I know a lot of people that used to be punk rockers. Uh, you know, what we say is if you're not now, you never were. <laughs> it's of course also bullshit, but. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that I've just seen how um, investigating the personality and the way that it manifests in all of these different ways and different um, circumstances and environments uh, helps not take wear it all. Uh, I guess what I want to say is to try to wear it loosely. Um, that none of it is ultimately who we are, but that on the, but that relatively, um, you know, love what you love. You know, like love the music that you love. And, um, you know, and if you uh, have a history of addiction, don't forget that. <laughs> you know, like remember that you have a history of addiction and that you need to stay abstinent one day at a time for the rest of your fucking life. Right. Don't, you know, because I've also seen a lot of people get so spiritual and so non-identified with being an addict, that was a long time ago. That's not who I am anymore. And go back to active addiction. And so it's sort of that kind of remembering, it's not actually who I am, but it's, you know, this body seems to have an allergy and I need to remember that. Um, even though I don't need to walk around with that, you know, tattooed on my... <laughs> or even the tattoos like you're like whoa what the fuck happened to this body 25 years ago they're still here you know of like wow this shit's been on my arms since the 90s and being so identified with like oh i'm gonna get tattooed i'm gonna be a tattooed person i'm gonna try not to be white See how that goes. Doesn't work actually. I'm going to try to set myself apart from this culture. Um, anyways, obviously, I didn't sleep enough in Las Vegas and I'm rambling. These are some of my thoughts and just my encouragement to. Um, Use mindfulness to investigate who you are and what you're identified with and what you're clinging to as I and me and mine and try to wear it all just a lot looser. Mm -hmm. 
don't, don't, don't think it's going to go away and that you're going to have zero, you know, this whole non-self as though you're not going to exist and you're not going to have a personality and you're not going to, uh, unfortunately for most of us, even full enlightenment doesn't seem to, I mean, I don't know from direct experience, but from what I hear, even full awakening doesn't change your personality. You're stuck with your personality. What changes is your relationship to your personality. Drastically shifts the more awake, the more aware, the more space you make for uh, not believing all of your thoughts and feelings <laughs> and seeing them as impermanent phenomena, impersonal phenomena. Those are my thoughts for tonight. Maybe one or two questions if anybody has any clarifications about what I'm talking about or how to apply this. No questions. Okay, great. Let's end there. Um, class is done by donation. Uh, Against the Stream is a nonprofit organization that's supported by the generosity of the people who uh, attend. Um, please consider becoming a monthly supporter of saying, like, I want this place to continue to exist to help pay the rent. Um, you can become a monthly supporter by going to our website and clicking the recurring monthly donations button, and then that's really helpful. We're not quite there. I'm hoping that eventually we'll get to the place where the Sangha, people in the community, will just be, you know, it's almost like a mem like you're a member. You know, and like you're like, I've never wanted to do anything where it's um, going to exclude anybody that doesn't have money. So we are always doing it by donation. But if you have money, like become a member, become a monthly supporter so that you're, uh, you know, really helping to this place to exist and for the doors to be open for all of the people that come through that can't afford it and to make sure that we have access um, and that we we'll never get to a place where we have to. Uh, not not have our own kind of home for the Sangha. So please be generous um, by becoming a monthly supporter or just making a donation. You can drop cash into the bowl or um, you can Venmo or you can, um, Taro will be over there. She'll help you if you need help donating. There's also some new t-shirts. If you buy a t-shirt, uh, here, um, it supports the center. All the money goes back to the center. There's a new uh, Against the Stream Venice t-shirt. There's some new Dharma Punks t-shirts over there, sweatshirts too. So buying those helps to support, you know, if you're a greed type, you know, kind of, <laughs> your shopping can also help support the meditation center. Um, a couple more announcements. One is... Um, I am going to be, there's sort of a job opening. I'm going to start a kind of a, a search for um, some, I'm not sure exactly uh, what I, exactly what I need, maybe like executive assistant, but also need some web help and some social media help probably. So uh, if you or someone that you know is looking for work in the Sangha, you know, kind of it's for against the stream, probably Ideally, I would find somebody that could work both for Against the Stream and Refuge Recovery, doing some square, you know, helping to maintain our Squarespace websites and, you know, registration for the online courses and 
dealing with some of the Zoom shit that we do and uh, helping me schedule and uh, do retreats. And um, the person that has been working with me for the last couple of years, who's been amazing, is moving on. And so I need uh, a new, new person to help me. Um, so if you are that person or if you know somebody that might be a good fit for uh, helping to support the activities of the Sangha and, and of also the Refuge Recovery Sanghas, let me know, looking for that. And connected with that is um, for the October retreat that's coming up, the silent seven-day meditation retreat that I'll be teaching in Joshua Tree. Um, I might need someone to help me manage the retreat. Um, and I'm not totally sure if I do or not, but if, if you or someone that you know um, might want to come and not see the problem with being the manager on a meditation retreat is that you don't get to be fully on the retreat because you are like on the retreat, everyone's silent. Um, except for when they want to talk to you because you're the manager and they need some toothpaste or they need some alarm clock or they have some complaints, right, basically. <laughs> um, so you have to, you know, the manager has to work a little bit and deal with all of the, you know, uh, cantankerous Buddhist meditators that have a lot of desires and uh, nothing's quite right with the, you know, um, Usually it's actually probably pretty low maintenance, but sometimes it's a pain in the ass. So if you would like to have the advanced spiritual practice <laughs> of managing a meditation retreat, um, there is some financial remuneration, some payment for that. So, and you get to be there and you get to meditate a lot and you get to be at the Dharma talks and, and all of that. So um, if you think you might be an ideal candidate for, for something like that, or if you know somebody who is, please come let me know. I think those are the announcements. Many goodness that comes from our practice and discussion of the Buddha's Dharma be shared outward in all directions with all living beings, including yourself. May each one of us get as free as possible. And together, may we create a positive change on this planet. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. This is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream and Refuge Recovery. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes.